This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine. But they don't belong in the newsroom. It is anchor man, not anchor lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. The things that yeah. keep me up because you you don't have control over them, mm-hmm. and you wonder where are people? Where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. There's Michelle Obama, potentially the next nominee for the president of the United States. I'm just trying to scare all of you away from listening to the rest of the show. Don't go away. we got to talk about it. We've got to walk through this. And you got to talk me off the ledge, maybe. Have I been saying for a while that I think Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee? Yes, I have. And I think I've been saying for a long time, Brad, that I think Michelle Obama is. Can confirm. Yeah. Uh, she made those comments yesterday, and it's causing a lot of people to speculate whether or not Michelle Obama is looking to pivot to get into the race or not. A lot of people have strong uh, opinions on that and feelings on it. You want to talk about what she just said there. She she's talking about how our leaders matter and it terrifies her to think essentially that Donald Trump would become the next president of the United States. I kind of feel the same way about her, which is ironic, which is why we have a, a democratic republic, why we we go vote and why what the people has to say but that's really what matters. But that's the YouTube live chat poll for today. Will Michelle Obama ever run for president? I I feel like the only reason, the only reason she would run for president is to keep Donald Trump from winning. If she felt like every other stop had been pulled and it still looked like Donald Trump might win the presidency, that Michelle Obama would then run. That the only thing worse 
than running would be not running in that particular instance. I think the stakes are very high for the Democratic Party. I know that the uh, if well, if you look at polls, dramatically, people are unhappy with Joe Biden. He has not been able to bring people together the way they told us that he was going to do. He has not been able to lead this country in some sort of unification the way other people, the way they told us that uh, they were going to do. He's not the adult in the room. He's the senile senior citizen in the room. And everybody's wondering what he's going to do next. Brad, you you answered this question. Will Michelle Obama ever run for president? What do you think? Uh, man, will she ever run for president? If she doesn't run this year, my answer is no. So um, I'm going to say no. I don't think she's going to run this year. I think the three options that we put up there are, yes, she's going to run in 2024. Yes, but not this year or no. You're saying no? I'm saying no. I don't think she's going to run this year and therefore she's not going to run ever. I want to play for you a little bit of uh, President Biden. This was going on yesterday while we were uh, in the middle of the show. And it's one of those things that we can dip into. And I'm going to say some of you are going to believe this. Some of you are not going to believe this. Joe Biden and his speeches are generally, in my opinion, rambling and incoherent. I feel as though the further you get into the speech, if he takes a run to the left or to the right off of the talking points of the script... It gets to be very, very rambling and incoherent. I actually think it's disrespectful to the office of the presidency to dip into this president delivering a speech if it happens to be by luck of the draw when he's in the middle of an incoherent ramble. So we try to pay attention so that if we go into his speech, we get it where it's starting or we cue it up to where there is a point that he's making. If it's a if it's a big news, impactful speech, if something big in the world has happened and we need to know what the president of the United States has to say about something, then we go to it. That's an easy decision. But we're in campaign season. It's 2024. I would say that if you listen to Donald Trump's speeches, I've I've covered uh, a, a large majority of his presidency from the same position and you could dive into his speeches at any given time and they could seem a bit rambly, but the way he presented himself didn't seem as though he didn't know where he was or what he was doing. There's a difference there. President or Michelle Obama, you remember when she said that the first time she'd been proud of her country was when the, when the country chose Barack Obama? That's interesting. It's interesting to want to lead something that you're not even proud of. But here we are. And then she had her famous line, uh, when they go low, we go high. And then I could play for you clip after clip after clip of President Biden using the opportunity to appeal to the American people in the lowest of low ways. When I think of how the Democrats have addressed the people who are on the other side of the political aisle from them, they use words like deplorable. Now, the right took that word up and put it on T-shirts and hats and wore it around with pride. I can't get through a show. I haven't, lo- I haven't read the comments yet today here, Brad, but I can't get through a show very often these days without somebody who is not of the conservative Republican bent going through and reminding us that Donald Trump said vermin. And, and knowing in their heart of hearts that it's because Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler. It's really quite something. Both sides do it. But 
if you're in the if you're on a political side of the aisle, and I'm not talking about one in particular, if you're on both sides, if you're on one side or the other, and you're judging the other side on the basis of one ruler or measuring stick, you got to take that to both sides. You can't just put it back in your pocket when you go to your own political side. And the truth is, is that the state of our political fair affairs is deplorable. There's very little honor among the way that we fight our political battles today. 2024 is going to be an onslaught of mud fights, of attacks, of degrading language, of people who are looking to vie for the opportunity to represent everybody within their district or their state or this country, they're going to be looking for the opportunity to represent those people. But we are going to believe by the time we get to November of 2024 and we make that decision that the person who gets elected to that that position hates half of the people in that district. Hates with a passion the people who don't agree with them politically. And it's naive to think that you're going to be able to take some sort of Michelle Obama high road to get to the end and cross the finish line and win. And I would say that Donald Trump is is the person who set us down this path for everywhere you look, absolute and total deplorable campaign behavior. Now, people who are big Trump supporters are like falling off their chair right now. Annie, what are you talking about? That's because that's how the left fought. And Donald Trump said, "Okay, fine, I'm going to punch the bully in the face. I'm going to be the bigger bully to the bully and I'm going to show you all how to fight. I'm going to step into the ring and yeah, I'm going to win this one. We're going to throw down. You've set the rules for this long. You hold yourself to one standard and you hold your opponent to a different standard. Well, I'm not playing your game. I'm done doing it this way. How ironic that after Donald Trump comes on the scene. Now we have the Michelle Obama line ringing uh, in our ears quite a bit. When they go low, we go high. Well, if you really mean it, I welcome you to it because the Republicans lost election after election after election with that kind of mentality. There was a spine, there was a backbone that was missing that when people, when the left would wag their finger in the direction of a Republican, that the Republicans would crumble because for for whatever particular reason, the Republicans felt they had to hold themselves to an unattainable standard, which is a really smart move by the Democrats to constantly be able to define what it means to be a Republican culturally, uh, socially, in community, to be able to define what it means to be a Republican and to define it in a way that is unattainable. So then that Republican is always fallible. And then they point and go hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. All of those things that they would traditionally point about the Republicans who think they're better than everybody else, the Republicans who want to tell you how to live your life, the Republicans who want to meddle in your business and tell you how you're going to live, who you're going to be with, how you're going to talk, what words you're going to use. How ironic that all of those things are now flipped on its head. And that's the way the Democrat Party is in this country. They think they're better than you. They think they can live your life for you better than you can live it for yourself. They think that they are in a position to make decisions for you that either you agree with them because you're right or you don't agree with them because you're not smart enough. 
God bless those Democrats for getting into government so that they can expand it so they can take care for you in ways that you didn't even know you were, were needed. That's the way the Democrat Party is of today. It's a very elitist, unattainable for the everyday American citizen, middle America, flyover country buffoon sitting here in the St. Louis area. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you need. We know what you need. We're going to need some of your money to do it. You'll thank us later. And if you don't, we're sorry, but you just can't possibly come to understand. The separation of these two parties right now in my lifetime has never been wider. Maybe there are some of you are saying, oh, this is just like 19. And I don't know what that is. I was born in the 80s, in the early 80s. I've never seen an instance in my life where there's there's virtually no room for the people who call themselves to be Republicans or call themselves to be Democrats to intersect with the other party. And there are a lot of people in the middle who are homeless. They look at the Republican Party and it's so far over here that they say, that's not it. And they look at the Democrat Party who's so far over there, and they go, that's not it. And then they sit in the middle. What do they do? Where do they go? Who's appealing to those individuals? In a Biden-Trump 2024, I don't know where those people go. I feel as though the Trump contingent is strong. The base is consistent. I don't know that the Biden one is. And that's why Michelle Obama is frightened. That's why Michelle Obama is scared right now, because she knows how consistent and solid that the Trump base is. And she knows that the left with Joe Biden doesn't have that. You would have to think that the punctuation on eight years of a Barack Obama presidency is the fact that the next Democrat to be the president was Barack Obama's vice president. Does Joe Biden get to be the final word on the Obama legacy in American politics? Because right now, if you're the wife of Barack Obama, you might be thinking that that's the case. I also think that there are a lot of valid questions that need to be asked and investigated. We don't know the answers to them. Maybe the answers are not nearly as nefarious as the lack of answers or willingness to answer those questions might lead one to believe. But the idea that Joe Biden may have been trading on company time and dollar with Ukraine, with China, on Air Force Two with his son Hunter Biden along for the ride, making very lucrative business deals for his family. Air Force Two implies there is an Air Force One that wasn't Joe Biden. What did Barack Obama know? Well, of course, that question is way downstream for what actually did occur. How involved was Joe Biden? I'm looking forward to finding out the answers to those questions. And I think that if the House Republicans have one goal in mind, it's to answer that question throughout the course of 2024. I don't think it's going to result in an impeachment. I do think it's going to result in a lot of information becoming public. Michelle Obama is looking at the situation right now. And for whatever reason, she's taking her time to go on somebody's podcast and talk about how concerned she is and afraid she is that Donald Trump could be the president again. That message needed to get out there. And do you think if you're in the Joe Biden camp that you appreciate that Michelle Obama is out there right now talking about how afraid she is about the possibility that Joe Biden would lose? I highly doubt that. I highly doubt the Biden camp is very comfortable with that.
That's why we want to know. YouTube live chat poll for today. Will Michelle Obama ever run for president? Yes in 2024? Yes, but not this year? Or no? You go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel and vote and tell us what you think. There are going to be uh, brand new bombshell news stories every single day this year. And while we sit here and wait for the news to come out and change the game over and over and over again, we're going to be as close to it as we can to, re- to relay it to you. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, our friend Joe Concha back on the Annie Fry Show for the first time in 2024. We're going to talk about the Michelle Obama story, that question that I just asked you. I'm going to ask him. And what's the Joe Biden response? Is he going to back down and crumble or is he going to drill in? He wrote the book on Joe Biden, after all. He'll join us when we come back. Joe Concha in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Walking downstairs, I, uh, I've spent more time in uh, the uh, Bethel AME Church in Wilmington, Delaware, than I have, uh, than most people I know, black or white, have spent in that church. Because that's where I started. Civil, no, I'm serious. I started a civil rights movement. I used to go to 7.30 Mass, then I'd go to 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock service with the reverend who was then running the church. Is now the bishop. She's a bishop, and I'm told you're bishop had been there before in South Africa. And that's where he is right now. The point is that I've been blessed to worship here before as well. Oh, what you know, Joe? Joe Concha, columnist at The Messenger. Well, there you go. Joe Biden uh, once again dipping into how black he is. And we got Joe Concha here to talk about it. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you, Joe. Happy New Year. Didn't Joe Biden once say that if we... Uh, ended segregation in schools and, and mixed uh, uh, blacks and whites together, it would be a racial jungle. Uh, did uh, he did. Yeah. Didn't uh, he say you have to have a certain accent in order to work at a 7-Eleven or that uh, Barack Obama was uh, clean and articulate? Those are that sounds pretty racist to me, doesn't it, Ann? And well, it depends on who says it, I think, is how the game is played. <laughs> when, when, you yeah. listen, when you see that he's talking at a church like this when he's going to be moving out onto the campaign trail. You wrote a book about, uh, you've called it, Come On Man, The Truth About Joe Biden's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Presidency. Now he's out trying to vie for term number two. What do you expect to see in these campaign speeches? 
Well, it's Groundhog Day again, apparently. I mean, this is the case of a broken record being played to avoid talking about an actual record, and that's Joe Biden's record. And look, if this is the president's grand opening argument, Annie, to kick off his campaign by saying that he and he alone can save democracy, then Joe Biden is in serious, serious trouble when it comes to reelection. Because for starters, this is a president who spent 138 days last year in relaxing locations and posh vacation spots. That's according to the New York Post. And they did a whole uh, analysis of this. And it's not really a hard sell. I mean, every time we saw him, he was either in Delaware or at some sort of multimillion dollar mansion of one of his hedge fund buddies. Uh, so apparently saving democracy will be done on a, you know, a part time basis, chalk full of long weekends at Bernie's. And then we're seeing this obvious thread in all these speeches from Biden lately. And it's not it's it's what we're not hearing about. Right. As far as why you should reelect him for another four years. There's no mention of the wonders of Bidenomics. There's no mention of Americans drowning in credit card debt. There's no mention of the crisis that is a catastrophe at the U.S. southern border, because even more Democrats at this point are sounding the alarm about. I mean, even they're saying this is unsustainable. Clearly, no mention of U.S. test scores at their lowest in decades. No mention of the fact that the U.S. is looking like a laughingstock right now, because apparently we have to hook a low jack up to our defense secretary in order to find out where he is exactly while our warships are being fired upon over in the Middle East. So overall, I don't hear anything about here's what I've done and here's what I want to accomplish in my next four years. It's all about race, racism, Trump and Hitler. And that ain't going to cut it. I'm sorry. In the key swing states, people are saying, what are you going to do for me during the next four years? Just don't tell me about what a bad guy Donald Trump is. I believe Hillary Clinton tried that. I mean, it didn't work out too well. Yeah. Amen to that. Joe Concha with us right now, political columnist at The Messenger and Fox News contributor. I wonder uh, if you find yourself thinking about the day after Election Day this year. That's presuming we would know who won at that point in time Mm. and going, how did he win? How did he pull this off? How is this possible? Because I feel like we've done this enough right now that I'm not prepared for common sense to prevail. Well, that's the thing. If common sense did prevail, then easily it should be a landslide for Trump or whoever the GOP nominee is for for that matter. Right. But I, I did write a column recently when looking at how Joe Biden can win. And I have four quick factors I could share with you. One's the economy. Now, the GDP grew at 4.9% in the last quarter reported. That's a big number. Unemployment's still below 4%. I get that people are working multiple jobs, so I'm not going to put too much weight in that. But the Dow is, you know, near record highs, 37,000. So if the economy continues to improve, uh, it takes away somewhat Trump's biggest argument, which is, I could steward this economy better than this guy. Then there's abortion. We all know 2022, I came on this show and said, here comes the red tsunami. We didn't get a red wave. We got a red ripple, right? And and now what is it? They have a two-seat majority in the House that Republicans do. They didn't win back the Senate when they absolutely should have. So I think that'll still be an issue. I don't think it'll be as hot as it was in 2022, because we're seeing whenever we do referendums in states like Ohio or even Kansas, uh, it's being rejected as far as whether there should be abortion bans. So the whole thing, like, you won't be able to get an abortion. Uh, that, that, that argument's going away, but it still could play a role. And then if Trump gets convicted, there's just a certain amount of people out there, whether they're Republican or independent, that aren't going to vote for a convicted felon. You could say, well, those trials aren't fair. I agree completely. But if a guilty verdict is a guilty verdict, that, that may be enough to switch enough votes in enough swing states, maybe to put Biden over the line. And then obviously over in Gaza, if there's some sort of uneasy truce there where we're not seeing the bombing on a daily basis, that anti-Biden sentiment from the left and young voters and Muslim voters in places like Michigan, that may wane a bit where that doesn't have the impact that it's having right now. So 
Biden could win, but if I were to bet right now, it's it's Trump by a touchdown and a few points on top of that. He is the prohibitive favorite, but so many things could happen, Annie, because if we were talking about this in four four years ago, and I said, oh, yeah, Trump's going to win because we've got peace and prosperity, I didn't know COVID was coming. Right. So who knows what's coming down the pike? So you can't make any definitive prognostications, but that's where things stand right now. That's absolutely right. We're speaking with Joe Concha. So, you know, November, we're in 2024. It's It's really not that far away. It'll be here before you know it. What is what do you think the likelihood is that come November the nominees are Biden Trump? I think it's Trump. I'm pretty sure it's Trump there. I Haley's making some nice gains in New Hampshire. Uh but that's a interesting state because anybody could vote, right? It's not just Republicans. So there there may be enough anti-Trump sentiment from the left that actually puts Haley over the line. The question is, can she build on it from there and win in her home state of South Carolina, for example? Uh, so Trump, he's going to have to fight a bit for that nomination. But in the end, I think just it, it is far too much loyalty towards him. And it's, he's far too much of a martyr at this point, as far as all these trials are concerned, where he's going to get toppled. As far as Biden, I flip a coin and every other day. I'll probably give you a different answer, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> But in the end, it's so much. How are you at this point in January 2024? Get him out, because I don't think he wants to go anywhere. It's not like you snap a finger and he's like, all right, I'll go. Uh, and then I don't know who you replace him with. I keep hearing Newsom, but that state's an utter mess, and he just comes across as phony, and I don't think phony really works uh, in today's day and age. And then they say, well, Michelle Obama could be inserted. I don't think she wants any part of this. She's very happy being in Martha's Vineyard uh, at a place that deserves its own zip code uh, and winning Emmys for Netflix. So I think it's Biden reluctantly in the end versus Trump. But again, a thousand things could happen, particularly when we're talking about Biden, somebody who's 81 years old and clearly not getting he's, he's like cottage cheese more than wine at this point. He's not getting better with age. <laughs> you know, the, the Biden Trump thing is really a staring contest. If one of those blinks, it's going to dramatically affect the ability of the other. And, yeah. and, and you're saying you don't think it's going to happen. I don't think, but again, what the hell? After the last <laughs> couple of elections, in 2016, I'll gladly say I was wrong. That I didn't think Trump would win. I thought he had a good chance before the Access Hollywood tape, and then I thought, well, that's a death meal. I mean, that, that's, that's something no one can recover from. I mean, it's on audio. It's not like it's hearsay. I don't see how anyone would could vote for him. My, my wife was appalled. She still voted for him, but she was appalled. So uh, I, I, I just don't know. After 2016 and 2020, it's really hard just to, again, use the word common sense before. If I apply logic and common sense, then I say Trump wins. But we are not at a point in this country where we have common sense and logic uh, for many voters that unfortunately have the right to vote, even though they're very misinformed. Well, we want to keep asking you these questions. We know you got to run, Joe. We appreciate you. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for coming back with Happy us. Happy New Year. Great to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Annie. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Political columnist at The Messenger, Fox News contributor, uh, Joe Concha. He's always fun to talk about and or talk with about all of these specific issues because he's very, very well studied in them and he's a great writer, too. So if you haven't yet, check out The Messenger. Really, really interesting media outlet online. A really good way to get something that's really straight down the middle as far as all of the offerings that they give, reporting news and also opinion from all sorts of different angles. Joe Concha on the Annie Fry Show. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to punt uh, Wiggins America to 105. He demanded more time today. So he said, okay, we'll see if Chad Wolf can join us. And fortunately, he could. He's the executive director and tre- uh, chief strategy officer at the America First Policy Institute and the chair of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration. How much of a play is immigration and what is taking place on our border going to have in this election? Chad Wolf on the fixes that could be put in place when we come back. You know, I, I, always, I always think back to where we were almost exactly three years ago when President Biden came in. 
We had more nations recognizing Israel's right to exist. We had relative stability in the West Bank, where the Palestinians. We had the Abraham Accords, where countries had said, yeah, let's all work together. And Iran was isolated. And the reason you're having Americans attacked 100 times, 100 times, Neil, since October 7th, is because the Biden administration flipped the script. These are evil actors. And when you think, boy, I can negotiate with them, I can uh, give $6 billion to them, and they'll stop taking American hostages, that is dangerously naive and puts American people at risk. Well, that's former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo talking about the president's uh, foreign policy debacles. But let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Here is Secretary Mayorkas on the border. Some have accused DHS of not enforcing our nation's laws. This could not be further from the truth. Having begun my public service career as a federal prosecutor for 12 years, ultimately serving as the United States attorney, there is nothing I take more seriously than our responsibility to uphold the law. And the men and women of DHS are working around the clock to do so. So Secretary Mayorkas says that the DHS has been accused of not enforcing the nation's laws, but he says that couldn't be further from the truth. Let's get a second opinion on that comment. Chad Wolf joins us now. He's the executive director and chief strategy officer at the America First Policy Institute and the chair of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration, also the former acting secretary of the United States Department of Homeland Security. Chad Wolf, thank you for being with us here today. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Good to be on. Of course. You know, people are accusing them of not enforcing the nation's laws. He says that is not true at all. What do you say about that? Well, what the secretary, uh, Secretary Mayorkas specifically, doesn't tell the American people, and but he has told Congress is that he has wide discretion uh, to enforce certain laws and not to enforce others. So, uh, I think it is still accurate to say that the department is not using all of its authorities uh, to address the crisis along that border to stop people from coming in and then to remove individuals that are here that are here illegally. So uh, there are numerous instances, many examples to cite where he is not using his authority and so therefore not enforcing the law. Uh, But he does oftentimes hide behind this discretion authority that he has so that he will say that he is he is implementing the law. um, But there are many parts that he is using that discretion to, to actually not enforce. It seems as though if you ask Mayorkas, he's going to say that he's doing everything he can. We heard the president, when he was returning from his holiday break, say he needs the money, that they, he hasn't been given the money to handle the situation the way it needs to be done from Congress. Everybody's got someone else to blame, but yet I don't even really hear the Biden administration properly identifying this as a crisis. Where, where do you focus, from your experience, square one, to getting this problem solved on our southern border? Well, I think that's right. I think from from day one of this administration, so almost three years now, that uh, they have refused to call it a crisis. They call it a challenge. Well, when you uh, see, you know, 300,000 illegal apprehensions in the month of December, when you are detailing Border Patrol agents from the northern border to the southern border, and you're spending record number uh, amount of money trying to house migrants, all of this adds up to You need to be honest with that. So, you know, I think that's that's critically important. I, You know, you continue to hear the administration, and I, you, you said it best with President Biden's quote there. They continue to blame Congress for the situation along the border and keep saying, well, if Congress only would give them enough money, then they could handle this. And that's simply not true. Congress has provided them funding after funding for the last three years. Uh, 
and it's only gotten worse because their strategy is flawed. Uh, their policy is flawed. And so there's no reason for Congress to continue to fund a bad uh, set of policies. And that's what they want them to do. Instead, I think what what con- congressional Republicans are trying to do is actually trying to change some of the policy along that southern border so that they have to implement certain policies that bring some deterrence back into the system. So I think that's where we're at now. Unfortunately, uh, you know, Secretary Mayorkas, President Biden, they have all the authority that they need to get the southern border under control. And the only the reason I know that and can say that definitively is because we did it during the Trump administration. We had no help from Congress. They didn't pass any new laws. Uh, but yet somehow we used the authority that we had to control that border. So in December of 2019, well before COVID, you had 45,000 illegal apprehensions along that border. Fast forward to four years later, and you have over 300,000. No new laws changed. Uh, it's only the approach of this administration that has. I want to read for you a tweet there from Bill Malugin, who's done great work reporting uh, for Fox News on the southern border. He tweeted this out yesterday at 3.08 p.m. He said, breaking, per three Border Patrol sources who were in the room while meeting privately with agents in Eagle Pass, Texas today, DHS Secretary Mayorkas admitted that the current release rate for migrants caught crossing the border illegally is above 85 percent. When you hear that number, what does that mean to you? Well, for those of us that either served at DHS or, or followed this, we've known this for some time. We've been we've been talking about the vast majority of folks that are coming into the country illegally are being released into the country. And so but it's interesting because that's not what the secretary is telling Congress and others. He is saying that they are actually removing, returning, or repatriating the vast majority of folks. And by that, that sheer number, that's just not accurate, right? We had a report by DHS just released in the last couple of days that shows 2.3 million people overall have been released into the country under this administration. So, look, the facts are clear. You can follow it. Most of it's on the, actually the DHS website. The majority of folks are being released under this catch-and-release program that the Biden administration has implemented. And what that serves and and why that is so problematic is that it just continues to incentivize more and more folks to come because if they can come illegally but stay in the country, that's what matters most to them. Uh, And they will continue to do that as long as these policies are in place. We're speaking with Chad Wolf. He's the executive director and chief strategy officer at the America First Policy Institute, as well as the former acting secretary of the United States Department of Homeland Security. Um, yesterday there was a town hall. Nikki Haley was in it. And I won't ask you about the politics of it, but one of the policies that she threw out in this town hall, and she said this before, is we need to go from catch and release to catch and deport. What is the the reality of the situation of all of those individuals who have crossed that border and have been released over 85 percent, according to our current uh, DHS secretary? What is the ability of the United States to catch and deport the millions of people who are in this country illegally? Yeah, so it's a, uh, it's a good question, but it's, a, it's also a tough question. I will tell you and, and your audience that the, the most difficult thing to do is to address and deal with folks once they arrive here in the United States um, because they're spread across the country. The federal government does not keep track of them. It's very difficult to remove them. That being said, we should still try when uh, you know, there are individuals here that go through due process that still have no legal right to remain in the United States. They should be removed. And so you've got to let ICE 
uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement officers do their job and remove individuals. There's 1.5 million individuals right now that have a final order of removal from an immigration judge, but yet are still here in the United States. And the Biden administration has told its officers not to remove these folks. So you let them do their job. But I think the most important thing that we can do is we've got to you've got to turn off the faucet. Right. You've got to you've got to figure out a way to stop the overwhelming number of folks that are coming into the country day after day after day. You've got to address that. And then you can address um, the folks that have arrived here illegally in the past. But if you don't turn off the faucet, it's going to continue to come and you're always going to be you know, kind of shoveling the water out of the end of the mm. boat with a uh, very small bucket. I want to ask you to kind of compare for us. You know, I recall in the Obama administration, the the iteration of DACA and DACA was something it did divide people on the right side of the aisle, but it did have it did soften some people to the idea of, OK, we're going to extend this amount of grace, but we're going to cut it off at, a, at a, a, a finite number of people. I can't imagine what the DACA number would be right now if we instituted that at this point. But when, when you compare the crisis we were trying to deal with during the Obama administration and the crisis that we are trying to deal with now in the Biden administration. How much more significant are we in that crisis right now? Yeah, I think we are. Uh, what we're dealing with with the Biden administration is uh, a factor of, you know, four or five over that uh, during the Obama administration. I mean, DACA um, is a program that they, I would say that the Obama administration, including the president himself, which he is quoted as saying he really doesn't have the authority uh, to institute that program, but yet they did. And they, of course, they did that during an election year. Um, and so I think it's interesting, but that population of, of DACA today is, you know, less than 700,000. The amount of folks that have been, you know, led into the country and released is in the millions during the Biden administration. So by the sheer numbers, we're talking not only about a different population set, but obviously the numbers are very different as well. And I'm guessing uh, if there is a second Biden administration that they will likely push for amnesty for the folks that came here illegally as well, because that's something that uh, I know that they're pushing today mm-hmm. during uh, some of these Senate negotiations. Would that amnesty have to be a congressional uh, process that would then be signed by the president? It would, it, uh, In theory, it would be. Uh, but we know that in theory makes me uh, nervous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we know is under President Obama, uh, President Obama, um, Secretary Mayorkas, who was not secretary at the time, but was deputy secretary, uh, was the architect of DACA. So they did grant some authority. Now, it's not citizenship, but they granted some authority for those individuals to remain here. And, and if you, you know, if you remember, it wasn't just the children, although that's what we talk about. We talk about DACA a lot. But there was also this other program called DAPA, which is Deferred Action Against Parents that arrived here illegally. So it was for adults Mm. that they were trying to do as well. The courts have struck that down and said that that was an illegal program. I think they've also said that with DACA on many different instances, but yet it continues. So both Mayorkas, President Obama, Secretary Johnson and others during the Obama administration knew what they were doing on DACA was illegal, but they did it anyway. And now you know, many years later, over a decade, we're, we're still trying to figure that out. Well, it makes me feel as though we can say that uh, elections have consequences and this next one coming up will be very consequential as to what I would consider to be the, the most pressing issue facing our country on the southern border. Well, we appreciate your time yeah. today, Chad Wolf. Thank you for spending some of your expertise uh, sharing it with our listeners today.
Uh, okay, thanks. Right, Appreciate okay. it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Executive Director and Chief Strategy Officer at the America First Policy Institute and a former Acting Secretary of the United States Department of Homeland Security. When when you hear Mayorkas say behind closed doors or when you hear that he has said uh, to these Border Patrol, Patrol agents behind closed doors that over 85 percent are being uh, released, that's staggering. Brad, what do you have to do to be one of those people that are in the less than 15 percent that are told, no, not you? Like, are you like, <laughs> are you freaking kidding me when you're looking around at the hordes of people around you? And you're like, why them, not me? <laughs> yeah. Who are those people? No, not you. You probably showed up in the orange jumpsuit you wore when you broke out of prison. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about you. <laughs> you should have changed that outfit, buddy. Um, it's it's something. That is for sure. And I, I don't understand how Mayorkas can say behind closed doors, according to this Bill Malugin tweet, Mayorkas admitted that the current release rate for migrants caught crossing the border illegally is above 85%. How can you know that the numbers that are approaching our southern border, crossing our southern border, being released into the country, over 85 percent of those people? And then when you're asked if this is a crisis, you're like, we think it's a challenge. <laughs> if you're t- if you were having a conversation with your teenager and they're like, it's a challenge, not a crisis, mom, you'd be like, you're grounded, kiddo. Go to your room. Send send Mayorkas to his room. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. I hope the American people in this election follow what uh, Jim Carafano had said on our show in 2021. It might have been in January of 2021, like the day after Biden got sworn into office. But he said specifically that the most pressing concern for Americans in the 2024 election was going to be the southern border. And I remember when he said that and he said 2024, I thought to myself, my goodness, that's a long time away. And here we are. It is upon us. And we are going to have to make a smart decision. Get active, folks. Get out there and uh, be seen. Be seen being part of the community and being helpful so that people ask you about yourself and then you can tell them. That's the best way to impress upon people who you are and why you are that way without beating them over the head with politics in a Twitter uh, comment thread. That never really is that influential, is it? All right, Wiggins America, when we come back, he wants to talk about 20 signs you need to get a new job. I don't know what he means by that. You'll have to stick around and find out along with me when we return. Don't go away. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 